fearfully and wonderfully I was made, created to have dominion. I am not afraid. There is no duplicate, no carbon copy of me. I am an original. I am free to be me. Welcome to Living Loved and Free with Carol G, brought to you by Pathway Kingdom Life Coaching. At Pathway, we believe life is a journey. Thus, our podcast provides a weekly pit stop for kingdom women to pause, reflect, and refuel. I am your host, Carol G, and I am super excited to share practical, kingdom-inspired strategies to help you know your worth, love yourself unconditionally, and unapologetically be your most authentic self. Here is this week's transformative message. May it inspire you to be the best you possible. Hi, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Living Loved and Free with Carol G. Whether this is your first episode or 18th, I am so glad you chose to listen to this one. I know God will speak to you as you listen into what he has laid on my heart to share with you today. If the message inspires you, please share it with others so that they can experience God's love and freedom too each one reach one, right? So this week, I am continuing our five-part work series. Doing this series is bringing up so many memories of things that happened over the course of my life that have caused me to be so passionate about certain topics. For example, my childhood experience taught me that a woman had to choose between work or relationships. Growing up, I had a hard-working mother who blazed trails everywhere she went. And based on how I saw her life play out, I concluded that a woman could not focus on a career and have good, thriving relationships with a husband, children, or even friends. Now, not only was that an inaccurate conclusion, I know, it was also a subconscious one. I didn't even know that I had come to that conclusion as a child. Until several years ago, thanks to powerful healing work that I did with God and healing professionals that he guided me to, I realized that little Carol had decided not to be career or money driven because she wanted loving relationships. And that little girl decided based on what she saw growing up that it wasn't possible to have both. Wow. Right. And these are the types of things that are stirring in my mind as I prepare for this work series. Right. These memories have been pretty interesting. And if you want to know more about how unpacking the things that we have learned from childhood through adulthood affect the way that we operate. I'm going to be talking more about that in the upcoming seven week harmony personal development course where I teach women how to find their natural rhythms and master the multiple moving parts in their life. So for more on that course, you can go to the website pathwayteam242.org. But for right now, let's jump into part two of the work series. 
God's original intent was that work would be an opportunity for humans to partner with him in stirring the resources on the earth. As I shared in work part one, God placed a man in the garden and gave him the responsibility of managing and protecting the trees God had already caused to grow there. So God had already done all the heavy lifting. So he really didn't require the man to do back-breaking labor. But then, if you know the story of the Bible and how we ended up where we are, humans disobeyed God. And God, being the just God that he is, had to allow the natural consequences for disobedience. Thus, humans were cursed, and one of the curses was that humans would have to do hard labor for the ground to yield its fruit. Now, thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Thousands of years later, Jesus the Christ comes and saves us from our folly so that we no longer have to live as slaves to sin. Further, he made a way for us to live as close to the Eden experience as we can in this fallen world. Thanks to Jesus's finished work on the cross, you and I can live in intimate fellowship with God Father God, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit. And through this fellowship, Christians get to trade in hustling and grinding in work. Yes, I have said it before and I will say it again. The hustle and grind for the believer needs to stop. God did not create us for that. So instead of work being about hustling and grinding, work really should be a means for us to worship God. This concept is so life-changing and totally freeing if you are willing to accept it. And I'm so excited, like so, so excited to unpack this for you like God unpacked it for me. So like I also shared in part one, work is not about provision. Work is not about provision. That sounds weird. It's hard to accept. I'm still trying to accept it, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Believe me when I tell you, work is not about provision. God is our provider. He makes sure his children have everything that we need when we need it. So let me set the stage here with some working definitions of some terms, right? Work is any action we perform, whether for pay or not. It includes work you do on your job, in your business, in your home, in the community, or at your church. Anywhere you're doing any type of action, that's what I am talking about when I say work. Mission work, yard work, it's all work, right? Worship is surrendering your life completely to God. You yield your will to God's will because you want every aspect of your life to bring him glory. That is worship in its truest sense. It's not just the singing and the lifting of hands. It's not just what happens when you go into a building. Worship is a lifestyle, a daily lifestyle. Putting those two together, 
work as worship occurs when you realize that your surrender glorifies God. And so you intentionally choose to only participate in actions that God tells you to do. That's work as worship. I need to make the distinction between a resource and source. So google.com says that a resource is a stock or supply of money, materials, staff, or other assets that can be drawn on by a person or organization in order to function effectively. Google.com also defines source as a place, person, or thing from which something originates or can be obtained. So for our purposes in this discussion, everything pertaining to the work series and pretty much everything that I share in this space, these are the definitions when you hear me talk about work, worship, resource, source. So to apply that here, a job, a client, a benefactor, scholarship, loan, or gift. They are all resources that flow through an earthly entity to you. However, no matter what the earthly entity is, God is the source. God created everything, so he is the originator of everything you have. Hence, God is ultimately your source. God is your provider and God has already promised to provide for the needs of his children. Here's the thing though, the world system and its ruler does not want you to know this. As long as you don't know that nobody can stop your good father from giving you what you need, you will be a slave to the world. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. And this is why the enemy doesn't want us to realize that our provision doesn't come from our efforts. Our provision comes from our loving father. And therefore, our efforts can be dedicated to work that glorifies God, whether it has money attached to it or not. But I'm jumping ahead. So let's peel this back layer by layer. The world has taught us that we need to work harder than hard to make lots of money to get the things we want to live a fabulous life. In high school, that was certainly my plan. As far as I was concerned, the most lucrative career choices were lawyer, doctor, or accountant. I hated science, so being a doctor was out of the question. My mother said no to being a lawyer, so by default, I chose accounting. However, to be honest with you, the career choice really didn't matter. My goal was simply to make money to live the life I wanted to live. I didn't even really know what that life was at the time, but I knew lots of money was required to live this life I wanted to live. So as a teenager, I had already bought into the lie that more money would make me happy. 
Then when I became a Christ follower, I learned that God is provider. And I also learned about God and purpose, and he's a God of purpose. But to be honest with you, (laughs) until recently, I was not consciously living at the cross-section of these two truths. They were separate concepts in my mind. Like I, I, I wasn't connecting the dots. So I would be eager to pursue purpose, but worry about provision, right? Or I would trust that God is my provider and then be tempted to become complacent about purpose. I just couldn't connect those two. Thankfully, God showed me how to embrace the truth that he provides for his purposes. When I accepted that, it totally freed, well, not totally. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you have those aha moments and it's like, yes, I now know what to do. And then you try to live it out and it's not as easy to live it out as when you first got the revelation. Okay. So in the moment I was totally freed and now I'm in the process of living free. This is why I'm doing the podcast and sharing my journey of living loved and free because it's not an instant 100% get it right kind of life just isn't right. But when I accepted that God provides for his purposes, I was freer. (laughs) And I, I, I realized that I didn't have to choose between pursuing purpose and meeting my needs because God was the one meeting my needs. The kingdom reality is that God provides for all my needs. Thus, I don't need to work tirelessly to make more money to take care of myself. I get to work at what God purposes for me to do in each season. And in this way, my work is an act of worship unto my God. So during one of my AIDSA Academy classes, one of my students beautifully shared the connection between purpose and provision. She said, God provides you with what you need for what he has purposed for you. If you need to be a millionaire to accomplish his plan for you, you will be a millionaire. If his plan does not require you to be a millionaire, you will not be a millionaire. That was such a beautiful aha moment because it helped to bridge my mental gap between purpose and provision. And it freed me to worship God, not riches, to work as an act of worship, not as a means to provide for myself. Mark chapter 10 relays an interesting exchange between Jesus and a rich man that has often been skewed. The Amplified Bible gives us great context clues within the passage. I'm reading verses 21 to 22 in Mark chapter 10. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love, high regard, compassion for him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all your property and give the money to the poor and you will have abundant treasure in heaven. And come follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, and walking the same path of life that I walk. But the man was saddened at Jesus' words, and he left grieving, 
because he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. The key to that passage is found in the final parenthetical note in the Amplified Version, and that is, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. Now, some people have taken this passage to mean that God frowns on wealth, but he really doesn't. Jesus did not tell the man to sell his possessions because being wealthy is a sin. He said that to see where the man's heart truly was. Jesus wanted him to show what or who he loved more. So my question to you, which treasure is your heart pursuing? Earthly treasure or abundant treasure in heaven? Ecclesiastes 5.10 states that he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves abundance with its gain. This too is vanity, emptiness. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what advantage is there to their owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a working man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach Greed of the rich who hungers for even more will not let him sleep. Wow, that's deep, right? Ecclesiastes is telling us that when we run after money and things, we never get satisfied because the more we get, the more we want. But the person who learns to be satisfied with whatever she has can sleep well because she isn't worried about getting more. Once again, this isn't saying being rich in itself is wrong or bad. But when getting rich is your motive, your heart will always want more riches. And like the word says, you cannot run after riches and God. So think about it. When you work long hours, either on a job or otherwise, because this applies to housework, community work, church work, all of it. When you work those long hours, what is your motivation? What is the more that you are trying to gain? Is it money, power, status, fame, prestige, applause, affirmation, material possessions? And then let me ask you this, are any of those things truly fulfilling or are you trying to fill a God-sized hole with many fake small g gods, things that we need to think about? In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you? Assuredly not. I just love the word of God. (laughs) 
Listen, when you chase after God with a heart that purely wants to be in his presence, you will not be disappointed. God makes sure you have what you need, and that's not just financially. You will receive great benefits like rest, peace, and better relationships when you choose to worship through your work. Therefore, do not worship. Lay down your life for money by toiling endlessly to make more money. Instead, worship Lay down your life for God and God alone. To worship God through your work means you choose actions that glorify God. You glorify God when you work at what God directs you to do on your job, in your business, at home, church, or in the community. Basically, everything you do should be based on what God wants you to do. Now, this may sound extreme, but this is what it means when you say Jesus is Lord of your life. If he is Lord, then that means you welcome him to direct your actions, your work. If you don't know what God wants you to do, ask him. So there are three important and necessary inner tools you need to truly worship through your work. These are intimacy, trust, and obedience. Intimacy is having a close personal relationship with God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You need to spend sufficient time with God to know his voice from other voices. This is not about rules. This is about, this is about relationships. So I'm not here to tell you, you must spend five hours a day with God or two hours a day with God. It doesn't matter the, the amount of time you spend. It's the quality of the time that you're spending with God. Is it a monologue when you go in his presence or is it a dialogue? Are you speaking and listening? So this is why I'm saying you need to spend sufficient, sufficient varies from person to person. I may need 10 hours a day within the word. You may need 10 minutes and then season by season it changes, right? I remember when I was in the education system, so I had summers off. I did most of my eating the word during the summer. Throughout the the school year, I did not spend a lot of time in the word. But July and August, I got to just soak in his word, right? And so it really depends on where you are and what you need and how you're wired. But the key is to have this close personal relationship, you need to spend sufficient time with God so that you know his voice from the other voices that are in your head. Your voice, Satan's voice, your mother's voice, your husband's voice, your friend's voice. We need to be able to discern God's voice from the other voices. You know, it's like if you're in a crowd and you hear someone call your name or call out to you, if that's your mother or your sweetie or your child, you recognize that over the the hum of the noise because you have an intimate relationship with that person and therefore you know their voice. That's how we all need to be with God. We need to be close enough with him, having an intimate enough relationship that we know his voice. So we know this is God telling me to do something, right? And this is how you build trust. 
Trust is the result of believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. God is love. He wants the best for you. He loves you no matter what. Even when you mess up, God still loves you. God has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. You can trust that. Jesus' death has set you free from the penalty of sin and everything attached to it. Therefore, you no longer have to live in fear of Satan, man, or lack. These are things that you should be able to trust in, stand on, live by. Then that takes us to obedience. Obedience is obeying whatever God tells you to do, but you can only obey God immediately if you trust him. When you know at the core of your being that God will only instruct you to do what brings him glory and what will work out for your good, you then obey him readily. When God says it's time to start, you start. If he says it's time to shift, you shift. And when God directs you to say no to a good thing, you say no, because you know that every good thing is not a God thing. It's only a God thing if God is saying this is for you to do right now. There are things that you may be doing in your life right now that God wants sanctioned for you to do, but the season is over and you're still doing it because those nudges from God telling you to stop, to hand it over, to let it go, you are not adhering to out of fear. Whatever God is telling you to stop, please stop. Please obey. Please make room for what he really wants you to be doing, serving in, working in, in this season. That just was so strong in my spirit just now. That is not in my notes, but I felt that so strong. And it's one of the reasons why God has me doing this series anyway, because he keeps telling me his children are busy doing things that he does not require of us. Even things like having a spotless house, right? Even things like going to the gym seven times a week. These are good things. But if it's not what God is telling you to do in this season, in this week, we have to be willing to let it go. We have to be willing to let it go. We have to be willing to let it go. Wow. We have to get to the place where we only do what God says to do. It's hard. I mean, for me, it's hard. Let me say that. Every day, I literally have to say, God, have your way today. And then throughout the day, I have to be open to him reminding me that I gave him permission to have his way and that I committed to do what he told me to do. Because I'm a planner, so I always, so from the night before the week ahead, I know this is what I want to do. I have a plan. And I'm learning to release my plan, to be sensitive to how Holy Spirit moves me in a day. I'm releasing my to-do list for God's list, right? And I encourage you to do the same. I have a testimony from this week on doing what God says to do when he says to do it. Like I shared before, this concept is still a work in progress for me. Old me used to stay up all night working until I was satisfied with a project. Now 
I have to intentionally fight the urge to do that, especially when I'm working on something new. See, I've learned that the timing of when I do things is also an act of obedience. So I'm currently working on our new Life Harmony personal enrichment course, right? And it totally has me in my happy space because I love creating content. I love doing new things. And when I'm doing something, I like to make sure that everything is just right. So in the past, I would totally lose sleep, just tweaking and tweaking and thinking of ideas and trying to get things just right. And God is like, no, I don't need you to lose sleep to do what I need you to do. I don't need you to lose sleep to show up in excellence. So let me tell you, creating the content for this new course is totally causing me to live the content. And I am finding myself in this season literally fighting to stay in harmony <laughs> and give appropriate time and energy to all areas of my life. I know that is not good for the total of me to allow prepping for the course to consume my days and nights and let's face it, my wee hours. <laughs> so one day this week, I woke up with the course on my mind and I was so eager to get into work mode. I was there trying to convince myself or rather really convince God, right? That it would be like having my quiet time with God because my rationale was, well, you know, when I plan for work, I have strategy meetings with God. So it's the same thing, right? Nah, not really. <laughs> Holy Spirit promptly reminded me of kingdom priorities. Focus on God, focus on me, focus on relationships, and then focus on work. That reminder, that Holy Spirit nudge helped me to align with God's best for me in that particular moment. So I opted not to bypass legitimate, quiet, quality time with God to jump straight into a work strategy meeting, even if it was with God. That's like the equivalent of saying, you know, doing a deep clean of your home with your husband is the same as going out to dinner with your husband. No, it's not. They're both necessary, but they're not the same thing. So I got my mind and my heart in gear to spend time with the Lord and remembered that work will be there when I'm done, when it's time for work to be done, right? So how about I'm reading Numbers, you know, the book in the Old Testament that has nothing to do with the course that I'm, I'm working on, right? And as I'm reading, I hear Holy Spirit whisper a strategy that answered the thing that I was planning to ask him about. Listen, I quickly jot that memo from heaven down and carried on with my reading. That's how I flow with God though. In our quiet time, he gives me ideas about work, about relationships, about my health. Like he just gives me intel. And so, and it doesn't even necessarily correlate with the thing that I'm doing in quiet time, the devotion or the passage of scripture. But that's, that's, that's the nature of a relationship. You know, think about when you're talking with, with your girlfriend and you may be talking about one topic and then that conversation stirs something else. So it's the same, like when you spend quality time with God, you could be reading numbers and get uh, a nugget about what to do when you go into your job later in the day, right? 
So this, this, this was so great. So anyway, so I quickly jotted down the memo from heaven. That's what I called it. It was a memo from heaven. I wrote that down, didn't dwell on it and got back to my reading. As I resumed reading, I heard the Holy Spirit say, the answer is in the worship. I was like, what? He said it again. The answer is in the worship. It clicked. Because I decided to put first things first, I received an answer before I even asked a question. That's how faithful God is. That's why I love him so much. So my friend, if you want to worship through work, you can get started by doing the following. Number one, look at all the work, aka actions, you do in a given week or month. And for each one, ask God if it is a part of his purpose for this season of your life. You have a job. Is this a part of God's purpose for your life? You're a part of three groups at church. For each one, is this a part of God's purpose for your life? Is this a part of God's purpose for this season of your life, right? You uh, do all the chores in the house. <laughs> And you share the house with other people. Are each of these chores your responsibility, your work to do every week? Do you need to delegate, right? So these are the things that I want you to do. Look at every action that you do on a job, in your business, in your home, at your church, in the community, and ask God if these actions, this work is his purpose for this season of your life. Then number two, ask Holy Spirit to reveal what is blocking you from trusting God completely when it comes to work. Because I am willing to guess that if for number one, he highlights some things that are not a part of his purpose for this season, something within you felt resistance to that answer. So this step is saying to you, ask Holy Spirit to reveal why you feel resistance about letting go a particular work. What's at the root of that? Why can't you trust that that is God telling you to let it go? And if God is telling you to let it go, it's for your good and his glory. And then number three, write a prayer asking God to help you obey him immediately in letting go of any work that is not his purpose for you. And to also help you to say yes only to what he purposes for you. So this brings me to the end of another awesome episode of Living Loved and Free with Carol G. If you have comments or questions, please, please send me a message. I love hearing from listeners. And if you want more information about upcoming Harmony course and how to enroll in it, please visit our website. And one last request, please share the episode with women in your circle and let them know what it is that you enjoyed about it. Like, don't just share it. 
let them know, hey, I'm sharing this episode with you because I liked that she did this or it stirred this in me or it helped me to gain clarity on that, right? Because sometimes people share things with me and I'm like, why did they share this? Is this something that I would be interested in? And I find that when they say, hey, this was pretty good because it deals with X, Y, Z, it encourages me to actually check it out even more than if they just drop it in my WhatsApp or, you know, share it on my page. I mean, you can just share it, you know, if it is something that Holy Spirit wants them to listen to, they will. But if you have the time and you're so inclined, it's also good to add the reason you're sharing it. That would be greatly appreciated. But listen, listen, listen. Whether you do nothing else other than you have made it to the end of this episode, I want you to know I appreciate you so very much. We may know each other outside of this space, or we may have never communicated before. But if you are listening to my voice right now, I want you to know that I pray for you to know God's limitless love deep in your being. And I also pray that his love sets you free to live the life that God created you for. So until next time, I encourage you to live loved and free. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Living Loved and Free with Carol G, brought to you by Pathway Kingdom Life Coaching, where we equip kingdom women for loving relationships. We'd love to hear from you. Please rate, like, or leave a comment with your feedback, or send us an email with your thoughts or questions at info at pathwayteam242.org. We also invite you to join our email community at pathwayteam242.org. And be sure to connect with Pathway or Carol Griffiths on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. The link to connect with us is in the show notes. I am Carol Griffiths, your freedom coach. Until next time, remember that you are free to be the whole healed helpmate God created you to be.